If you hear this sound, that means this episode is also featured on our YouTube channel as a video. Head over to www.youtube.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to check it out. Warning. This episode contains foul language and mentions of murder, the paranormal, and general high strangeness. Welcome to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange and unusual, wickedly witchy and highly strange, haunted, hygienic, husky, and everything in between. Each week we have the pleasure of getting together and talking about something weird, and this is a very special episode because our weirdometer is dialed up to 11. (laughs) We are completely doubled in our high strangeness we have entered a window area our guests today have been nothing less of a staple of our show for the last eight years from our humble beginnings when we shared with you stories out of their traveling museum of the paranormal and occult to the premiere of their documentary series hellier in 2019 following their adventures experiencing synchronicities and goblins in kentucky to today the day of the release of their new documentary, The Unbinding. My name is Ashley, and joining me today, as usual, is my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hello, weirdos. And I am so excited to introduce our guests, Jeff Goldblum's Bigfoot hunting partners, (laughs) the hosts of the Haunted Objects podcast, Planet Weird's very own Greg and Dana Newkirk. Hey, everybody. Hello. Thanks Hi. for having us. Hi. Of course. Thank you for uh, coming. I tried to fit as many credits in there as possible. Oh, you're too kind. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> it's a better introduction we've gotten on some <laughs> stage shows. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go, go on the road with yeah, us? Yeah, will you intro Yeah, just invite us? me yes. along. Cool. And I'll just do that Honestly. exact same intro every time. <laughs> we would love to be your hype girls. Yeah. Always, please. Perfect. <laughs> We'll dress as like little green aliens in the crowd, just like doing one of these. I love it. That's so good. Dancing T-shirt the audience. cannons, just getting getting everyone real pumped. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you know, you're no stranger to synchronicities. That's something that you obviously we talk about a lot on the show. You guys experience and talk about a lot. You yourselves are almost a synchronicity for us. Yeah. Weird. What do you mean? Isn't that weird? Well, okay. So when we first started the show, we had a segment that we called This Week in Weird. We still pull it out every once in a while, mm-hmm. right? And this was, we were really dipping our toe into the world of the paranormal in terms of like who was in it because we were yeah. new to the game yeah. you know uh we've always been fans we've always been strange we've always liked ghosts and aliens and everything but we, we you know we didn't know anyone and so as i was researching you know this week and weird stories to do is when i stumbled upon 
you guys had weekend weird mm -hmm. and i was like well look at that i was like this <laughs> is like right that. up our alley yep. <laughs> imagine this <laughs> um and i even remember talking on the show uh, mentioning and talking about how you guys had just been given some creepy doll that was like moving around, which now I realize is the titular character in your new documentary. Uh -huh. crazy. Um, That's crazy. So crazy. I love it. So wild. Yeah. And the thing that really made me start following you guys and paying attention was, um, and listeners, Lauren, you as well, you might remember this. I covered, I think this was in 2017. It was an article Greg wrote for Weekend Weird about Bigfoot being a ghost. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And when I saw it, I was like, these are my people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you referred to yourself as a weirdo, and we were like, yeah. they just get it. We are the weirdos. And oh, we, I love yeah. it. That's we were so meant cool. to be. <laughs> so now that you're on our show, it's just sort of like, um. Full circle. Is this our finale? <laughs> yeah. No way. <laughs> this is, we've peaked. This is it. We've peaked. Oh, this is we're it. just getting started. I know. Listen. So, but in that vein, of like loving the paranormal. I know you guys both met when you were kids. You were on rival ghost hunting teams, which I don't know. Love may, may be real. Uh, I know. Is that the best romantic story I have ever heard? <laughs> and Greg, I know you've admittedly said it was essentially just like friends hanging out in a cemetery at night trying to get scared, which yeah. we and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can like relate to, but did you guys have any like paranormal experiences as children? What made you interested in the phenomenon to begin with? I mean, I think my answer is probably kind of boring compared to Greg's, which is a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but I grew up in a house where weird things happened. We, you know, we would have one of the things that I, I always sticks out in my mind, just because I still to this day can't figure out how it happened, is a stack of plates like a foot and a half high came out of a cabinet where they were sort of stuffed into the back and we and I, I heard the sound of the plates being set down on the floor and they were sitting in the middle of like the dining room but that which was behind me so we would have a lot of those types of weird things happen as kids um just in our home but yours is a little bit weirder than mine well, I do like how you're like, mine's boring. That's not boring. Uh, I guess it's not that boring. boring. <laughs> not boring in the slightest. That's funny that you think that yours is boring because I'm sitting here going like, well, I didn't really experience a whole lot of crazy stuff until I was a teenager. It was me and my friends sneaking out at night and like going to a, a haunted cemeteries in the middle of the night. And then like weird stuff started happening. But. Yeah, but. <laughs> but there was one thing that happened when I was a kid that got me obsessed with weird stuff. I had a problem when I was a kid. I don't really talk about this very often, so you guys are going to hear a story I don't really tell very much. Let's this is go. a Keep It Weird exclusive. Yeah. Everyone, uh, hold on to your butts. When I was a kid, I had a problem where I would sneak out of my window, my bedroom window a lot. And I'm talking like six, seven years old. I don't know why. I just snuck out, and I would just go stand outside at night. And Greg grew up in a really rural area, so it was like you, your house was sort of like in the middle of nowhere, which is almost kind of scarier Same. that you're that old. Yes. So one night, Terrifying. the last time I can remember really doing this, I w was like the middle of the night. I woke up. It was probably one in the morning, and I climbed out my window, and I started walking to the woods behind my house. And when I got to the edge of the woods, when I got to the woods line, I saw 
a light in the sky that got closer and closer, and it was uh, lights that were circling. They were going around and around. And they came down inside of the woods, and I went into the woods. And I could hear this, like, it sounded like truck brakes. Mm. And, I mean, this is the middle of nowhere. It sounded like truck brakes going, and that's the last thing I remember. And then I woke up in my bed. And uh, ever since that point, I was obsessed with UFOs. But I had to sleep with a nightlight on for the like for, until I was like well into my teen years. So I don't know what that was all about. But uh, that's probably the earliest weird thing that ever happened to me. And it took a while until I like started getting into ghosts, and it was only a prank. You know, my friends and I were just trying to scare one of my friends in a cemetery, and then we kept getting hit with like little pieces of coal. We kept getting hit with stuff, and then I was like, "Oh God, monsters oh, are creepy. real." <laughs> And it was over from that point. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's why you don't want to be hypnotized if you've been abducted by aliens. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm also a control freak, so. (laughs) I'm terrified of hypnotism. I can't believe it exists. And it shouldn't be real, right? It shouldn't be. It it should not be real. You mm-hmm. shouldn't be able to hijack my brain. And even the fun ones where it's like, look at this guy barking like a dog. I'm like, why is everyone laughing? This is so it's scary. It's so scary. Yeah, it and is. They don't remember it afterwards. Yeah. I cannot. I had a high school girlfriend who did not believe in hypnotism. And we went to like the local, the Troy Fair. They had like this hypnotist who would come every year. And he pulled her up on stage and he like gave her a post-hypnotic suggestion that when he said a certain word, she would, you know, cluck like a chicken and... She came back and she sat down. She was like, oh, I was just faking it. She's like, it's mm-hmm. just it made me feel uncomfortable to be on the stage and not be hypnotized like yeah. everybody. So I was just going along with it. And she's sitting there talking to me about it. And then he gives the word and she leaps up on her chair and starts clucking like a chicken. No. So scary. No and her, she just starts sobbing because she couldn't believe it. It felt like such a violation. Wow. It's oh, real. I don't know how. I know. <laughs> how real. are you in my brain? I'm not okay with it. It's terrible. I will say one of my favorite internet videos of all time, though, I don't know if you guys have seen it, is that kid who gets the hypnotic suggestion that all of his friends are aliens. I don't think and I've ever seen he's it. he's sitting there, and he's, like, looking at his All his friends are laughing, and he's just oh looking at them God. like, I can't. <laughs> it's crazy. That would be so scary. Yeah. It would be so it scary. It really would. It's rude. Honestly, <laughs> hypnotism is rude. <laughs> it is. It's straight up rude. So one thing that's a little bit different about you guys, because you are uh, technically paranormal investigators. Technically, you know, sure. But that is in a different way, though. I, I usually, here's how I describe your work compared to others. And we are not by any means paranormal investigative show bashers at all on Keep It Weird. I think there's a time, place, and a space for all types of them, especially in the entertainment world. But when I try to describe Hellier and now The Unbinding and uh, to people who are unfamiliar, I usually say something along the lines of traditional panel shows, i.e. ghost hunters, ghost adventures, etc., are a perfect warm-up. They're like your gen mm. ed classes. They will teach you the vocabulary. They will open your mind to the possibility. And then when and if you are ready for AP courses, <laughs> you should definitely move on <laughs> to investigators like the two of you or like ourselves or like whatever. And <laughs> who really expand on the phenomena in ways that will like kind of change the way you look at the world. And we have similar opinions on 
ghosts, angels, demons, beings, aliens, Bigfoot, all being sort of a related phenomenon. Sure. So was this idea, was this introduced to you by John Keel? And who were some other early influences on you guys? I mean, John Keel, I think, is the most obvious one. Yeah. We're really I, big yeah. fans of his work. For sure. I think, uh, you know, Jacques Vallée. Yeah. He's another one. Um, Definitely. And then I think a lot of it, honestly... They more validated what we were coming to yeah. on our own because we've always tried to really challenge ourselves about uh, what we were into. So, like, we both started from ghosts. Mm -hmm. That was the thing that we were doing. You know, Dana had a ghost hunting television show out of Canada. And that was how a big part of why we even know each other is because mm -hmm. of ghosts. And then we'd start to like go, well, maybe we should hang out with some Bigfoot people. Yeah. Let's hang out with some psychics. Let's hang out with some alien abductees. And the more we started to do that and the more that we really challenged our own perceptions and, and the, own, the things that we believed in, the more we realized that these people started telling stories that were fundamentally the same. They yeah. just yeah. were viewing them through different lenses. And we realized these different disparate groups of people they should be talking to each other more because they'd probably get a little bit further in their own theories and their own investigations. But I think the problem is like everyone wants to have somebody who's a little quote unquote crazier than they are. So I might believe <laughs> yeah. in ghosts, but at least I don't believe I'm being abducted by aliens. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think when you kind of open yourself up to exploring different avenues that exist in, in these spaces, what we started noticing was that there was tons of crossover. So, you know, one of the stories that sticks out in my head really clearly is uh, we filmed an episode of Finding Bigfoot and we were with them for two weeks in Mount Shasta. It was an intense shoot. We're in the middle of nowhere and all of their camera equipment, a lot of their camera equipment just stopped working. And they, one of the, the crew members uh, talked to us about how, yeah, occasionally we'll get to a place and like all the batteries are drained and, and we oh. don't really know why. And from our perspective, we were like, well, like we know why uh, with a, you know, our <laughs> wheelhouse being ghost hunting. That's something that like often happens for people, you know, oh, yeah. you will experience like battery drains. And so it was sort of, uh, it was one of the first times that we, we started looking at each other going, wow, there's a ton of crossover in a lot of these spaces. And if we were just sort of talking to each other openly, we probably would realize that. And so we sort of became obsessed with putting ourselves into different spaces and, and talking to people who were, you know, better at something and, and knew more about something than we did. And, and we just never stopped. We just kind of continue doing that as much as we possibly can and learning. I love that. I think mm -hmm. that even investigative teams in the same field need to talk to each other more and share their experiences. Yeah. Oh, sure. I think it's mm -hmm. a very, since it's so niche, I think that there's a lot of weird competition involved of, you know, like, well, they're not legit. We are that kind mm -hmm. of thing where it's like, oh, come on, guys. We're all going to yeah. let's sit here and argue about this totally subjective <laughs> yeah. experience with one yes. another yeah. and why your subjective experience is not yeah. real. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not as valid weird. as mine. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because even I, I had written a, a publication a couple of years ago in a publication a couple of years ago on um paranormal investigations and kind of like leaving your expectations and speculations at the door mm, excellent mm -hmm. so like we got to investigate the queen mary i'm sure you guys yeah, have yeah. it's looking yeah. awesome so, cool. so queen great mary. uh we so got wonderful. a we got an evp of a cat's meow Aww. and apparently there's a cat that's like 
been known to be around where was it the infirmary i think so he was hanging around which you're like you're hanging around all the sick kids and people and (laughs) you wonderful kitty because not this particular room, but as soon as we walk down here, but I don't know if it's just because it's all four upstairs that you're walking into this room. It does sound like a cat. But I don't know if it's just because it's And it like echoes like it's down the hall. There were no cats there. Yeah, oh, that's so sweet. I know. I know you guys are cat people too. <laughs> yes, heartwarming. I love them. But I, I had mentioned, you know, like when you are, say, attempting to talk to spirits, and you get a back and forth going between them, like you don't know that that is the ghost of a dead person. Sure. You can't even approach it as I'm talking to someone in the past. You might be talking to someone in the future, mm-hmm. and you're the ghost in the past. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. You could be talking to yourself mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. future. And right. so, like, not you so keeping yourself open to the endless possibilities is only going to make your investigation more interesting because instead of asking over and over again, like, did you die here? Did you die in this room? Mm-hmm. Did you die here? Did you die here? You could ask, you know, what is your time cycle? And mm-hmm. then let all hell break. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, you know, like if you if you're already making up your mind about what you're going to find before you start an investigation, you've already failed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like you can have goals. But if you're already like, well, we're here to talk to the ghost of this such and such. You're already lost. Because yeah. no matter what, you're biased for that. You're mm-hmm. going to see that. And I think that the longer we've done this, the more we've started to believe that your your own brain, your own consciousness is an engine in, in that generates some of this activity. So it's really important, I think, to have a really clear mind. I mean, unless you know you're going to get as weird as possible. Mm-hmm. Like we've done experiments where we've like we've haunted uh, bags of ramen. And gotten EVPs from bags of ramen and then eaten them and gotten possessed by the spirits that we've attached to them. And then, like, you know, exhibited some of those personality traits. Like, this was a big experiment we did a couple years ago. And people that were performing the experiment with us were like, what the fuck is going on? How is this real? We don't know. But I think that our consciousness plays a much larger part in this than most people would have you believe. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah, I think we have taken a little bit of inspiration from the two of you because now as we've gone on since you know 2016 2017 when we started this show each investigation i do think we go in with more of an open mind and even we will tell our listeners we're going on an investigation and you know we hope to experience something but we have posted episodes where we have to come back and say, unfortunately, we didn't really find anything. That's great. It though. was much more boring than we thought, but we like putting that out there just to let everybody know that that's also okay. Yeah. And you don't have to get something from every investigation, every supposedly haunted yeah. place. It's it is okay not to experience that, and I we just are so thankful to have you guys in our lives who also just want the reality of it all yeah. hey we we can't seem yeah. to find goblins no matter how hard we look <laughs> so we, right. we get it yeah. there's something Gosh. i think so important about that kind of authentic experience too and recognize it's one of the things we talk a, lo- a lot about in hellier because i think we wanted to include the dead ends we wanted to include the the frustrating moments when you feel like you're not really getting anywhere and it's it's partially just because it's such a reality like it's so much a part of what 
you're doing and and it you know sometimes the answers don't come in a linear fashion sometimes it takes a little yeah. while so it's cool to yeah. to see other people recognizing the value of that because it is you know we don't see a lot of that especially in in television it's kind of like thing happening thing happening and so it's kind of nice to have those dead ends in there and remind people this is how it's really done Mm-hmm. Yeah, and remind people that, like, this is most of what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. You better be good about, uh, like, sitting the in the dark. Making your own fun. It's yeah. quite boring. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, Ashley and I would just start making each other laugh eventually we because do, like, it was, like, shadow puppets yeah. on the wall. We are doing a lot of yeah. little dogs. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and sometimes that, that kind of behavior, just sort of relaxing in a space and communicating with your friend and... and being in the space i find it and i think you probably would agree but it's that that kind of relaxed energy that sometimes and then things pop off and you're like oh okay well it's because everyone was relaxed everyone wasn't kind of putting that you know hyper expectation we we did a a spoon bending experiment recently because it's harder it's getting harder and harder for us to hunt ghosts because Mm -hmm. i mean we can get into this too in this discussion i don't think ghosts are dead people anymore it's just it's very difficult for me and when we are leading ghost hunts, we were we were doing a strange escape. It's getting so hard to like just sit there in the dark and, and ask the same questions over and over. And I feel like it's getting boring for people who watch paranormal TV too. So we were like, definitely, let's go to Walmart. Let's buy a a, a couple hundred spoons, a bunch of spoons of all different shapes and sizes. We got some that were huge because like we had been researching these these spoon bending stuff. Uh, and we're like, there's no way this is real. So we got the original instructions from the seventies and we stuck right to them. And everybody that came in to the little ghost hunting group, cause it was every hour, there was another group. We would give them spoons and we would go through the instructions. And one of the instructions is once you've done the, the focusing, the concentration, you just forget about it. You put it out of your head, you start to have fun and which is not uncommon in, in like witch, witchcraft rituals sure. and, and just w- totally. rituals in general. The the act of like focusing intently on something and then allowing it to just dissipate and be its own mm-hmm. thing. And I'll tell you what, the it, like clockwork, every single group to our own uh, stunned amusement, yeah. we would start laughing and joking around. And then all of a sudden a kid would shriek. Because their spoon has flopped right over. And then once somebody else saw that and was like, holy cow, somebody else's would flop over. And it happened so many times, like for five hours this one night. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious that just like having a good time with intention really leads to vibration. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a good vibe. I, I would say most of our greatest finds, like anytime we got EVPs or like ghost box interactions or even uh, electrical, whatever, it was when we were having the most fun. It was yeah. almost like mm-hmm. it interrupted us. Yep. And then when I did research on like old, old EVP sessions back in like the 60s and 70s, what they wouldn't just have like one person sitting in a room asking questions. They would usually have people talking and having an animated conversation right. and the voices mm-hmm. would come in and they would be more active when that was happening yeah. than when it was one person like hello yeah hello. Mm-hmm. even yep. the ghosts they want to hang out, with, out there have a party not yeah just like, they just want to join the fun yeah we're here let's go yeah yep. mm. And I know you're not supposed to do investigations with any alcohol, but uh, just like a little. Who made that rule up? (laughs) You know what? That shit's arbitrary. Who cares? 
at the Biltmore with our bottle of wine, we did we had a lot of fun and got a lot of sounds. That's we did. You were having you were socializing. You were being that's that's totally. part of it. It's you know sometimes I always think you know if 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 ghosts were were dead people, can you imagine seeing like a bunch of people in like tactical vests going like, with lights, being like, "We're gonna talk." Like it's just so scary. It's so not any way that I would want to enter a conversation uh, at all. So yeah. I always it's think it's also intimidating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always think that relaxing into a space and just kind of being there, just being present with it, I think is like the best way to to have that those types of experiences for sure. Totally. Mm-hmm. Do you have any faith that the Particularly, paranormal television will expand their investigation. Yeah, no, no way. I know, no way. No. Died for me. I think I think they're trying to right now, and I think it's because paranormal TV is effectively dead at the moment. Like there, there have yeah, been so many, there have been so many things that have happened over the last few years in television and you know mergers and stuff that I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of that type of content for sure. a while. I think most of it's moved to YouTube where people can do weird and fun mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to hope so, but I'd have my doubts. I think we also have to like, remember that in mo- most cases with paranormal TV and you know, like Amy and Adam and kindred spirits is different because they're executive producers, but you, most of these shows are just made by people who are making shows. Yeah. And so Kind of who don't believe in who any often of this. really don't believe in a lot of it. So you, you kind of have Nor to like, care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. <laughs> they're they're in the minds. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're yeah. they're just in the content yeah. minds. So it's it, it uh, there. There may be like, uh, you know, there might be aspects of it that that cross over, which would be great. And it would be wonderful. Um, but it you just never know. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we do have a, a listener question. Listener mm. Jess wanted to know. Do you ever get st- scared during an investigation and not like uneasy or uncomfortable, but flat out scared where you want to stop the investigation mm. and go home? Ooh. I mean, for us, yes. Uh, especially if it's hellier stuff, if it's, <laughs> yeah. if we're in a scary place, if it's, the, if Ooh. I'm in a cave at like three in the morning and I'm like, uh, most of the time, all I want to do is go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, because uh, I am a chicken and uh, I'm a Taurus meme, so I like also I'm a Leo sun, so I like being comfortable <laughs> and not covered mm-hmm. in dirt and sweat. But I am a I am a chicken, so yes. I fucking love being scared. <laughs> I want to be scared. That's what I'm seeking, and I don't know why that, when that turned into a bad thing. I like being scared because I feel like if I'm scared, I'm being challenged, and if I'm comfortable, I'm not learning anything. Mm. You know, I'm not getting anywhere. So. I'm always trying to put myself in positions where I'm I'm scared. Uh, it just it gets harder and harder to do until we're talking about people like hellier yeah. stuff. That's always pretty always scary serious. because yeah. you don't know what people are capable of. Right. Definitely. I would say our listeners have wanted us to go squatching or Bigfoot hunting for years, and we're just like, here's the thing: we don't camp. Yeah, we both hate camping. We both we are not outdoors people. I would need to be in a trailer with air conditioning and glamping. We were like, we need to come up with a term for glamping and squatching. You know what? I don't know. Go to Salt Fork State Park here in Ohio. Perfect place for you guys because you can stay at a big, like, wonderful lodge that looks a lot like uh, the Great Northern from Twin Twin Peaks. And it's Ooh. also like one of the biggest Bigfoot hotspots in the country. So you can spend all night out in the woods getting activity. We have. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back oh. and stay at that cool 
at that cool lodge. Yeah. So there are places yeah, you can do both. Worlds. Ashley, I think this is it. We yeah, found a lodge. Lodge. <laughs> yeah, we found a lodge. <laughs> I'm in. Um, I want to move on to Dana, witchcraft. Mm. We have a lot of witches <laughs> in awesome. our listenership, ranging yes. from baby witches to advanced. And baby. we definitely... <laughs> I'm mid. We definitely try and open people up to using the craft in like everyday life just by adding magic to things they already do, like cleaning, cooking, bathing, etc. So anytime we have a fellow witch on the show, we like we're honored to have you here. <laughs> well, I, I love everything about that. So it's awesome. We know you were practicing witchcraft as early as grade school. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, probably I would say that I became interested in witchcraft when I was like 14, maybe a little bit younger than that. But I always tell people that my origin story when it comes to witchcraft isn't quite as as cool as most people would expect. It was because I was 16 when the craft came out and it changed my life forever. I was literally like, this is my whole identity. Like, I'm good. (laughs) I got it. But yeah, I was 16 when the craft came out. It changed me as a person, changed my DNA, and uh, but it really sent me on that that journey. And I, I I discovered all forms of magic, and just I've spent the since then studying the occult and esoterica and witchcraft and paganism. And so it's it all it's such a huge part of my life, and I I love getting a chance to talk about it. Oh, and we and my little <gasps> black cat just mewed. Yeah. There. He looks just like my black kitty, I, whose name is Frankenstein, but oh, she is a girl. That's so. <laughs> okay, goodbye. I was we just about Frankie. to say, yeah, Oliver looks just like Frankie. <laughs> oh, buddy. God, I love cats. I can too. we just, you know what? A we moment can, for cats. We'll, let's wrap it up. We'll just have the cats <laughs> oh. do the rest of the episode. The I cats will host. Let's go. Well, do you have, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of our listeners are budding witches or they're just getting started practice. Do you have any advice mm. for beginners, beginner witches? I do. I One of the things that I always tell people, and, and this was really for me, th- this is the foundation of, uh, of my witchcraft practice. And it was really... It's funny. It's it's where I started, and it's still I think very important to to how I practice, and a lot of it is just beginning to understand the cycles that naturally happen around us, and and once we understand those, we can then relate them back to ourselves, and we can see how much those cycles are mirroring ourselves. So I start with things as simple as teaching, you know, the different moon phases or the different seasons and why there are certain types of magic that organically naturally are best practiced during different times of the year or maybe different moon phases. And so I usually try to uh, begin sort of teaching people about magic through those those natural cycles that happen. But I think moon phases are the the simplest and best way. You know, we can all we all feel magical when we look at a full moon and it's easy to immediately want to practice and or meditate or spend time under the full moon. So I think the moon and, and many of those kind of natural earth cycles that we experience regularly throughout the course of the year are, I think, wonderful introductory uh, spaces for new witches. But they're also really great for people who have been practicing for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. It's a good thing to kind of remind yourself of those those foundational teachings 
and uh, reintegrate them back into your practice because I think that they're just lovely. And so that probably would be my and that'd be my advice for for new witches. That's good advice. And calendars already come with them. Oh my gosh, there's so many of them. You don't even have to get a special calendar. They're always there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Full moon. It'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Waning. Yeah, Yeah. Totally. I love my that. mom I, got Ashley and I you have the witch calendar too my mom yeah, bought us yeah, a specific like witch calendar oh. it's like so precious and adorable everything that's happening that month on with the each planets date. and the star and the moon I it's love so that great. it's yeah. so cute are your families pretty cool uh, with it because I know that not all like my, I come from a hardcore Baptist background mm-hmm. so like my parents mm-hmm. want nothing to do with what I do <laughs> we both came from Lutheran backgrounds and uh yeah our our parents are both very cool with very cool yeah i think my mom realized early on that she's lost control (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) nice i think both of our parents the minute we like moved to california well i mean they realized with ashley just being a weirdo all of her life but also when we moved to california i think they were like yep and that's that's (laughs) That's it it. (laughs) we've lost yeah yeah, when I had, when I cut my hair into a mohawk my junior year of high school, I think that was the moment that they were like, "It's over." Hell yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. She's yeah. not coming to church anymore, and that's fine. <laughs> Gosh, God. you were such a badass high school. I uh, here's the thing though, like I looked really cool. I've never been cool, but I've always like been able to like give a cool vibe. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. You're putting off that energy. I put off a very cool vibe, and then you get to know me, and they're like, oh, boy, she's really <laughs> riddled with anxiety, huh? <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> uh, Lauren, do you want to ask a few questions about – let's move on to the objects, the haunted objects in oh, the museum. Gosh, yes. Okay, first of all, um, back in season one of our show that we were talking about, like, we – immediately you found out about the traveling museum and we're just so excited about all the items you had. I mean, back from the plank wood, the Amityville wood, the black scrying mirror, and just all of the reactions that people would have with them. We, we've just been such big fans for so long. So it's very exciting, but um, we, we did want to know, well, first of all, I wanted to clarify what is the difference between the traveling museum and the Newkirk museum? Are they the same? Is one more, Stable is one moving around. What is the difference? Well, there's not much of a difference at the moment, but the reason that we changed the name is because there's suddenly so many traveling paranormal museums. <laughs> uh, and oh, really? Yeah, it's funny how that happens. So we, we needed to put our and we. It's so weird because we're not the type of people who like to put our name on. No, stuff. it's not our okay. first instinct to do that. No, it's kind of weird. But it is no. your collection. It is, but at the same yeah. time, you know, we're very we're very like group oriented, mm-hmm. and we never want to to like. As weird as this might sound for what we do for a living, I don't like being in the spotlight neither do i it's a weird it's a very weird thing yeah it's really yep. genuinely kind of not our first instinct to to be like this is the new kirk it felt very weird doing for it, sure. but it was necessary yeah so it was a necessary change and we are working on a brick and mortar so like the idea is <sighs> Ooh, to have more questions <laughs> To have a brick and mortar yeah. location, yeah, we want okay. to be, uh, you know, because we we it's gotten to the point now where the museum, the traveling museum, started by accident. Mm-hmm. It was just something fun that we started to do because people would tell us like, 
oh, you have you have that? I've never seen anything like that. I've never had an experience. And so we started to do it. First it was a table, then it became a tent, and then it became a whole thing. Uh, and then the tent had TVs. And it it's now we have so much stuff, and we've established it so much. We've got things that we are uncomfortable taking on the road because they have such a high level of value. And I'm not necessarily talking about haunted objects. I'm talking about like, you know, we have crashed UFO parts that that we've gotten through storage units and things like that. So we need a space uh, and we've been working on that. So I I would imagine the next couple of years, that'll be a reality. Okay. Where would you do it? Would you do it in Ohio? Cincinnati? Probably. We don't have any weird stuff in Cincinnati. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, I and think we're the weirdest a, thing here. It's the weird. It's a weird city. Like it's so strange. It's so. It's such a bizarre city, and it hasn't fully embraced its weirdness yes. yet. So we are bent and determined to make that happen. <laughs> but there is a place in Los Angeles. It's in North Hollywood. That's called like Horror Row, mm-hmm. and there's a Mystic Museum. Oh yeah, I love like, the Mystic Museum. Mm-hmm. The Mystic so Museum. Good. So cool. I love yeah. the we would just went to their eighties toy uh, display. Yeah. It's super cool. But there was also, um, what was the, ho- was it Halloween Town, Lauren? Is that what that store was called? I want to say yes, even though I don't Halloween-y think it was named after seen. the Dis- like Disney Channel movie. But I think it was <laughs> Halloween Town. <laughs> I think that's correct. I think it was Halloween Town. <laughs> well, that's so the kind good. of thing we want to bring to Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, we want to have... Uh, we, you know, Dana would love to have a little witchcraft shop mm-hmm. where Absolutely. she can, you yeah, know, cater to people around the area. And, and I love teaching and, you know, I teach ma- uh, magic all the time. So it would be fun to even have a place where I could teach in person and, and you know, like really get hands on with people. It would be really fun. I just want to build the clubhouse we wish we had exactly. when we were little weirdos. <laughs> Seriously. Seri- yeah. Well, yeah, we the Mystic Museum would be a great uh, blueprint mm-hmm. because yeah. they do have, you know, it is a shop where you can buy all your witch craft needs but you can also buy cool little um horror movie knickknacks and then there's also uh, palm readers and tarot card readers on staff like it's it's such a cool little place i think you guys would do awesome with something like that working on it could just be all your crazy alien shit (laughs) i'm down i'm there i'm there you have a lot Uh. of that I love that. Okay, so you, I mean, you answered my question so wonderfully because we have been wondering about the brick-and-mortar shop. So you heard it here first. We'll be in Cincinnati. Um, and then you alluded a little bit to another question I had regarding Cincinnati. Have you tried to do any kind of investigations in Cincinnati? Obviously, you've found weirdness in many other cities, but are you trying to find the weird hot spots in Cincinnati? It's a that's a tough question to answer because some of it involves Hellier mm. and future Hellier. Oh, so you well, well. may oh, see some spoilers. spoilers. Oh, spoilers. spoilers. Ooh, then don't say another word. <laughs> <laughs> but like we've been to like Bobby Mackey's music yeah, world Bobby and, and place like that because that's totally. right down the road. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the thing. Dana was saying Cincinnati's a really weird city with some really weird history that has been sort of covered up. Yeah. Most people don't yeah. realize that, like, you know, the, the Magic 8-Ball was founded here because because it was invented, like, right down the road. Yeah. Because really? the mother so of one of the inventors was a psychic medium. Houdini came to yeah. town to try and debunk her, and I guess he couldn't. I think when we were doing uh, an, our episode of the podcast about, I think it was a Spirit Slates we were mm-hmm. doing, uh, we did obviously like a deep dive into spiritualism and Victorian spiritualism, and we found out that, you know, kind of during the peak of it, there were like three, 
hundred working physical mediums in Cincinnati alone yeah. at that point in time. Like, there was a ton of stuff going on here, and it just sort of dried up. Uh, there's a lot of uh, ties to Thelema mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, Nema was a, a, a Typhonian order, a magical order that existed here in the 70s and it's the 80s. There were what they called the witchy wars of the 70s, where like there were warring clans of witches that mm-hmm. were in the no. area. I was Psychometry born the decade. was invented here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's there's such a weird, geez. it's a weird city. We got the Frogman. Yeah, we have Loveland Frogman. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Our own cryptic. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> so Cincinnati's a weird spot that I don't think has been, uh, it's not fully tapped, and uh, they need more people to embrace the weird history yeah, here. For so sure. we're working on it. We're trying, but it's <laughs> kind of strange that even, you know, you guys know what it's like. You're in, you're in your own hometown, and people are like, where do we go? I don't you're know. Like, oh, well, you just know where know. you go, because we're always doing we're stuff always everywhere elsewhere. else. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys You're travel traveling. quite, I imagine. Uh, well, I love hearing this because my husband went to college in Cincinnati and absolutely oh, no fell kidding. in love with it and wants oh, us yeah. to move move there all the time if we are to come back and be closer to family in the Midwest. So now this is a selling point for me mm-hmm. as a weirdo to come back. I love. You all got of friends this. in the area yeah. already. Cincinnati's great. Also, I do have to insert a really um, nerdy listener question from my own husband. He wanted to know, <laughs> knowing that you live in Cincinnati, what is your skyline chili order? Good question. So here's the thing. We are vegetarian. We are. So we don't go okay. to Skyline. We, we go, go to, to Gold Star. Would, yeah. And, and one Ooh! Of, yeah. Yeah. Yep, and that's going to be a battle. I want everything. You know, four-way, five-way. Put everything on it. I, uh, okay. I am I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I know. How I know. dare you? I know. Bad Cincinnati. That's the wrong answer. Uh, but yeah, it, it's so gross. No way. You're crazy. <laughs> don't listen to her. Listeners, don't listen to her. For people who don't know what Skyline is, yes. it is it is a, a very Midwest invention. It's very Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Just imagine spaghetti, but instead of spaghetti sauce, it's kind of a... <laughs> I'm not making it sound oh appetizing. It's so gross. Uh, like a watery... Uh, chili, chili with like cardamom and cinnamon, cinnamon. Yeah, in it. and then there's about like I don't know three Stop. inches of cheese Pile on the of top cheese. of it, which is great. Well, I'm all okay. about the cheese. You lost me at watery about chili, but cheese. you got me back at the cheese. Yeah, yes. it's, I think have you it's... never had it? <laughs> no. Oh, I, this is the first time hearing of Skyline. So, oh my god. Well, <laughs> so is it like a, a what was that thing you used to remember? Steak and Shake used to have something like that where it was like really. Weird noodles with chili on top. What was chili mac. It's it's chili. Chili. chili mac. Yeah, it was it's a chili, chili mac. So it's a chili it's, mac. Okay, that's yes, close. It's chili that's mac. close. Yeah. Okay. I think it's sort right. of known as being like hangover food. For so sure. if you yes. really just need, um, sure. like, if you need things in. to soak it up, that's what Skyline is good for. Yeah. Well, yeah. come out to Cincinnati sometime. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll try. Our treat. We'll take you to our Skyline. Treat. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. I wanted to ask you guys because we we're both fans. I actually just finished it today. Again, like a weird. It wasn't a plan to finish it today. I finished the first season of Haunted Objects, the oh, awesome. podcast you guys have. Mm-hmm. Which here's the thing. So I'm a huge fan of you guys. Always have been, but I think that. You know, a lot of the documentaries, your appearances on TV shows, you're working and investigating. And especially, you know, the kind of investigating you do is not always like 
the silliest thing, but mm-hmm. I laugh out loud mm-hmm. so much listening to you guys. Dana, you are so fucking funny. That makes yes. me on agree. She's the secret weapon, man. So you funny. are. It's- it, I finally get to it. I, like you said, most of what we're doing all the time is very serious, and we're so serious. And with Hellier and and even with the Unbinding, we're we're often kind of like nerve wracked, like we're nervous about what we're doing. We're always a bit scared, so we never. There is a lot of joking around, and and we we're always joking around, but it never kind of makes it to the you know end result, the final cut. Exactly. So yeah. uh, people don't know that I'm like just a giant goofball. Like I just am. I'm I can't not be. And so the the podcast is this really great thing because it's like it is the outlet for all of that. And there's costume changes. There's bits. <laughs> like there's just like everything that you it's possibly well could want. But thank you. I appreciate it. I like we, uh, I like being I like laughing. Dana's so fun. funny, and it's it great that people happy. finally get to see how funny <laughs> <Yeah>. she is. <laughs> Normally, yes. I, I've literally had I've been on like you know we've been filming episodes of of TV shows and you'll have like directors be like can you not smile oh, yeah. can you just and i'm always like oh my god yeah, I, or like just my instinct and... too so i love it thank you i appreciate it yes yeah i mean change. truly i love it i actually wanted to ask you a question may i of course okay so have you guys heard i i listened to this episode the other day uh on the dark mirror the mm-hmm. scrying mirror have you guys heard of the kazarev mirror oh i love this I am okay. so fascinated. Are we going to build one? Oh, That's, oh. Yeah, you have to because God. so I'm t- I'm literally talking about it next week on uh Keep It Weird so I can't Oh like, yeah, yeah, we won't God. go into detail. Into some of this out, but so Lauren, it was a device. It was built by two Russian physicists back in like the 50s and the original intent was to cure psychosomatic diseases because like they were like there's no reason that your mental health and your stress and blah 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 should affect your physical body and give you ulcers mm. and like high hmm. blood pressure and all that shit. Interesting. And it worked. It like lowered people's blood pressure. It fixed uh, s- this one man had tremors in his hands totally cured his tremors no they their anxiety was lowered they slept better everything blood pressure lowered but a weird side effect that they didn't expect was that it like opened people's minds and like enhanced their esp Ooh. so okay. they were they were having like psychic visions it was a lot it was almost like taking ayahuasca it feels like like they would sit with their younger self and they would see past like back in time but the reason i immediately thought of you guys because you talked about on the podcast the dark mirror that you have the scrying mirror you Mm -hmm. had that vietnam vet who would come and look in the mirror and he said that it made his ptsd better for a time right and i was like cause a red mirror insane yeah for sure it's wild Mirrors are strange, and they've been, they I mean, they've been a long-used uh, long tool when it comes to trying to connect with, you know, the other side. Raymond Moody uh, has a couple books that are fantastic that are all about the use of, of psychomantiums, which are just mirrors in a dark room at a, you know, 45-degree angle. And these people who weren't necessarily believers in the paranormal, they would experience their loved ones, some of them manifesting fully in front of them, and then giving them closure that they didn't receive before. Like they'd come out of these psychomantium rooms crying because mm-hmm. they had uh, very real encounters with their loved ones who had passed. Uh, and that's just a holdover from 
you know, the Greeks were using those yeah. things back in the day to try and yeah. you know, s- speak to the dead and see the future. Nostradamus. And... Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Black Mirror was used by, you know, John Dee and Edward yeah, Kelly, who... Enochian magic. Really, the, mm-hmm. the fathers of modern ritual magic. Yeah, for sure. So uh, mirrors are spooky. They're strange. And uh, the the... I don't know. I would love to build one of those crazy big <laughs> mirror tubes and see what happens. Uh, where are we going to get a mirror that big? I don't know. Well, what you need is... <laughs> I actually, no, because I looked it up because the, the, the patent is online for the, the oh, mirror. Gosh. Like the original patent for the mirror is online. So it like gives you the measurement of aluminum alloy oh, you need. We can it's, all it do it now. Let's do it. And it's like, hold on. Okay. It's happening. We kind of have to. Let's go now, meet right? our childhood selves. Yeah, I yeah, would seriously. love that. And create oh, sure. a paradox where we send ourselves off on a paranormal adventure that becomes uh-huh. where we're sitting right Ooh. now. In a Loved show it. called Smellier. <laughs> yeah. Smellier. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> um, that was bad. So, but no, it, it also it. had, it was a very like. Project Stargate situation because like not only were they experiencing it, but the doctors and nurses and all the people that were like, um, you know, doing performing the experiments were seeing UFOs right. and like yeah. having weird visions. So it was like everyone wow. around the mirror was experiencing stuff. So that is fascinating. That is really Ooh. cool. It makes me like simultaneously want to smash every mirror that I see. <laughs> I know. I and buy a scrying and... mirror immediately. <laughs> Excited. Oh, okay. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Before we move on to the documentaries, listener Brian and a few others, honestly, this mm-hmm. was a couple people asked this. What haunted object would you love to have for your collection that you don't have yet? Ooh, oh my gosh. That's so hard. I would love to have some kind of an artifact from the Enfield Poltergeist yeah, case. Yeah, yes. Ooh. Oh, I have a different, yeah, yeah. I would really, really love, like, you know, that one police officer looked up in the second floor window and saw, like, the Legos, Legos floating from, around. Yeah. I would love to have some of the Legos that were the floating. The Legos. Yeah. 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 Mine is similar, I think. Uh, and it's unfortunately impossible, but I would love to have had something that came from uh, the Boleskine house where Aleister Crowley did the yes. uh, Bremelin operation where, you know, that went bad. And so mm-hmm. uh, I would love to have had something from the oh, Boleskine yeah. house. You that can get be... some pieces from the house on like eBay. I wonder if that, it, it, I would just love to feel like that, the energy of what that felt like. I'm sure it was just incredible. Right. Wow. Lauren, do you have any haunted objects you can send them? <laughs> uh, definitely not. <laughs> well, I hope not. I'm looking around. <laughs> also, I wanted to ask, I mean, besides what we see, the crone in The Unbinding, and, you know, some of the more popular ones that you guys have discussed, is there anything in your collection that has really stood out to you and, you know, made you... Mm lay awake at night for longer than you were planning. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's so many. There's a lot of stuff that it, we're, we're very, and I think Hellier was what did this to us. It really like illustrated, we didn't expect Hellier to pop off like it did. And it really illustrated the responsibility that we have when it comes to covering things and sharing stories. And because of that, there are some things in the collection that, we can't think of a good way to share. We can't mm-hmm. think of a good way to talk about 
uh, because, you know, maybe the story with them isn't done yet, but they're kind of sensitive. Like, there's people that send us stuff. Yeah. We, we receive, like, people's ashes in the mail yeah. sometimes. Oh, yeah. um, you know, we've got... Last, like, notes, those types of things. We have... And, and it's it's funny because we're always, we're always trying to be as respectful as we can, uh, particularly when we're dealing with things that people have sent us that they've experienced really horrible things around. And right. one of the things that was sent to us uh, was there's a Ouija board, a talking board, that was made by a woodworker who he didn't really ask a whole lot of questions yeah. at first and then found out that the the boards that were provided to him by a couple girls who said they wanted this board made, because he was like, this is going to be weird. These are planks. I'm going to have to glue them together. It's not going to be sturdy. So it does have this like kind of curve on it. This guy found out the reason there were weird red stains all over it is because they had gone to a murder site, a recent murder site, mm -hmm. pried these boards out that were blood stained from where this man had passed away. And it was a terrible, like yeah. his, his pregnant weird. wife yeah. was the only one who got out. Mm -hmm. oh. And like oh. she Just had to watch, thing, they yeah. like these people tied them up. Yeah, it was oh. awful. And like, Terrible. like this man died in front of his wife. Yeah. She's still there. She's still alive. So it's like, how do we share? Yeah, we can't that story in a, in you know in a way that is a positive thing because right. it does exhibit weird activity, and that's the reason it was sent to us in the first place. Like the guy's wife, uh, the the woodworker, his wife started experiencing uh, symptoms of blood loss mm -hmm. weirdly Ooh, right. out of nowhere. Like lots of really scary stuff like that. Jeez. We we do the you know the the museum. There, there are a lot of objects in the museum that. Uh, people send to us mostly just because they've they have sort of attributed a fear they've attributed they have some some sort of trauma around the object itself and so the act of sending it to us uh, compartmentalizes that a little bit for mm -hmm. them and, and they can kind yeah. of start working through it and letting go of the whatever they have built up around the object um, right. sometimes and so yeah we do we I, I would say you know for for every object you see that is a front-facing object there's probably five that are that we just keep in the private collection that are either too traumatizing to share with the general public just because we wouldn't want to trigger people and and you know awful things like we, we do get a lot of that kind of stuff and so there's a lot of there's a lot of that kind of stuff that just sort of sits privately in the background um, but yeah that is yeah. one specifically like a good example of just something we don't want to, um, you know, feel. It would feel exploitive in a lot of ways, exactly. and so we're always hypersensitive about even just like someone's personal experience. If if they've gone through something that's deeply traumatic with an object, sometimes they don't want it to be known to the general public, and so we sure. always try to be as sensitive as we can. Yeah, yeah. We had to really take a step back this season, especially. We we put the kibosh on it completely because a lot of our listeners. We cover true crime occasionally because our mm -hmm. show is about everything, like sure. anything yeah. off. It could be science related, paranormal. It can be a serial killer. But yeah, th that was always something we struggled with a lot: is true crime stories mm -hmm. because sure. it was like. Talking about someone's Ooh, trauma, something yeah. that was I so just, horrific I for the family. Yeah, could not imagine going through something like that, mm -hmm. and say losing my husband or or a family member, and then like logging online and seeing like two 
idiots <laughs> talking about it. I'd be it. so yeah. mad. I'd be, be like, livid. Like, we are the, the details of the yeah. case. I'd be like, absolutely not. So yeah, yeah, this season we were like, we don't do true crime anymore unless everyone who was related to that person is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because for sure. I can't yeah. handle it. Yeah. It was too too hard it's great and i think i think that that shows just how much people in these spaces are becoming well aware of one of the things that greg and i talk about all the time which is good storytelling Mm -hmm. and and recognizing the the what happens when we tell stories and so it's it's i'm seeing that more and more i'm seeing more people recognize that that responsibility that you have as as people telling stories and and that's that's a pretty great thing but yeah it's it's hard it's it's difficult it's hard balance yeah it's mm-hmm. really it is a hard balance yeah because you want you know we the four of us i assume have all been drawn to the macabre of course for sure. um, you know our whole life and like it, it, you have to you do have to strike a balance between sensationalizing something horrific that happened but also you know telling that person's story because everyone has a story and sure yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah the, the 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 Ouija board, you know, we we'd even shot footage of it and everything. We were preparing to do an episode on it on uh, the Haunted Objects podcast, and as we sat down to do the research, we just couldn't. We were like, it's we're just like this, this this woman's still alive. Yeah. Family and... members are still alive. It's oh, just not not yeah. not a good thing. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's a story for another time. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, and it's it I know be. that now that I you know the vibe of your podcast, the the silliness, the goofiness, right. like that's what's hard too. Is that like every time we would cover a true crime story, it's like. All right, yeah. fun's over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Everyone, right. we're about to get down in the dumps real yeah. quick. So it was sure. hard to make that shift, too, where it was like, no jokes for 30 minutes. Right. Yes. right. Don't smile. <laughs> Respectful. Don't smile. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, speaking of storytelling, we want to get into your documentaries and the amazing storytelling that comes through with those. <laughs> Again, just fangirling over here because us and our listeners which I have had a couple of people tell me and my sister specifically just the other night when we were talking on the phone, she said, when you talk to Greg and Dana, please just tell them how much your fan base of Keep It Weird is obsessed with Hellier. And we have been like, cannot stop talking about the two of you constantly. You, it's so nice. We even did, what was that app that was popular for about mm, a month last (laughs) year or two years ago? It was like the, it was this app that you could um, basically do like live shows and you could like invite people on to like ask questions like if they were in the waiting room anyways we did a show called what the hellier and yeah so like lauren and i had this long discussion about it was season one of hellier and then like all of our listeners could like pop in and be like i have a question about That's this so i have a question cool. about this yeah it was awesome so, so we cool. have a lot of hellier fans and i'm sure quite soon the unbinding fans. The as unbinding well. yeah. fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, I mean, obviously it's a wonderful series for so many reasons, but I really, really love the style of Hellier and the way yeah. it is filmed, the way it looks, the haunting, beautiful filmmaking of it all, along with the engaging story and how it kind of sucks you into the story. But I really love this new style that you have taken on with the unbinding and you know, we're not going to give too much away. We want everybody to check it out, but (laughs) I love that it feels like this haunting cinematic style, which we were kind of given already with 
hellier, but also this now feels like a horror movie combined with an investigation documentary, which is very, very cool. So I guess the question is sort of, you know, what inspired this and is this, you know, going to be your filmmaking, your documentary making going forward? Do you think this is the new Mm. chapter for you guys? I mean, first off, thank you for the compliments. Uh, Honestly, we we owe a huge debt to our director, cinematographer, editor, one-man band, Carl Pfeiffer. Um, Carl is incredibly talented and has just such an amazing eye for storytelling. And we, you know, with Hellier, the intention was to make something that was beautiful and made you feel that weird sense of, like... Uh, that that liminality that that you really do feel when you're in places like Eastern Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And he brings a lot of flavor from, you know, I I don't think it's a big secret that, you know, things like True Detective or a big inspiration for how to tell these types of stories visually. Um, And so Carl's just a genius at that stuff. And when it came time to do the unbinding, the unbinding, like every wonderful thing we've ever done is an uh, accident. Accidentally. <laughs> we never set out to make a movie about it. Uh, in fact, what started the unbinding was we were doing what was sort of the proto Haunted Objects podcast. Yeah. We were going to do little half hour vignettes where we told history behind some of the most interesting objects in the collection. After we'd sat down, like our interviews ended up being like four hours long each. Mm -hmm. And Carl started going through the stuff and he was like, dude, this deserves more than just a little half hour thing. Like we should really Mm -hmm. tell this story in the way that it deserves. Um, And so a lot of the way that we approached it was we had very intentional conversations about how to do this because we'd not made a feature length documentary yet. We, you know, we, Hellier was an experiment in and of itself. There's 15 episodes it's not a secret that it is not like other paranormal content. And so people totally. who are approaching mm-hmm. it that way, uh, sometimes people who are used to watching typical stuff on like Travel Channel or whatever, uh, would not be able to hang in for the journey because it requires a level of investment. Mm-hmm. You have to do some work. Like yeah. you have to familiarize yourself. We're not telling you details about who a lot of the researchers were talking about are the cases you have to do the reading yeah. which is mm-hmm. even i was just going to say even like what we were talking about earlier with including the dead ends including yes. the things that, that that people sometimes i think when you're very familiar with the framework of paranormal tv when you kind of throw in things like dead ends or you know getting to points where even we're confused with what we're going through it's not it's difficult for some people who are you know they're just used to the traditional kind of framework of ghost hunting tv so uh, it's a cerebral experience. I remember like season one of Ghost Hunters back way back when they aired. And I remember loving that sometimes they would go to places and they wouldn't be haunted. Yeah, sure. And they yes. would be able That's to great. say to them, like, yes. you know what? You've been talking a lot about this in front of your child, and your child is just repeating it because you're giving them the attention. And that's sure. a, and like yeah. that's something that I've had to tell listeners when they write in, and they're like, "My kids talking about this, seeing this person all the time." Da 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 da. da and I'm like, "Well, how are you approaching it? Yeah. Are you mm-hmm. do your eyes light up when they talk about it? Because right. then they're going to continue to right. talk mm-hmm. about it because they're yep. seeing." their mommy happy right so yeah. like i loved that aspect of it but then i see other people online being like well the first season sucked and i'm like the first season was so interesting. well the, the yeah. only reason that they're saying that is because it's a it's 
you know, the minute that Ghost Adventures popped on the screen and people were getting possessed every episode, like, <laughs> yeah. how do you keep up? And and the exactly. thing that I think people forget about go? paranormal television is it's there for ratings. Like, if you're trying to learn anything about the unexplained from paranormal television, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. It's your fault. Yeah. It's yeah. your fault. Yeah. Like, you're it's upsetting you. you're yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these are just These are just jobs for people. And half of the people yeah. that are on these shows... Despite what they're telling you, they were cast for it. They're actors. Oh, yeah. They're doing their job, and a lot of times they're doing it well. And you can't compete with Ghost Adventures. Like, mm-hmm. they're the yeah. king of paranormal media for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, because something's always happening over and always. over and over. You can draw your own conclusions about it, but that's how it is. Mm-hmm. So, with something like Hellier, when you've had 15 years of something happens every episode. Totally. Demon, and demon, demon, demon. Exactly. Demon. Yeah. yeah. And then you get this slower, meditative uh, journey lots where of you're theorizing, lots exactly. of yeah, talking, a lot of talking, and just figuring it out. A lot of book reading. Like, yes, <laughs> you are. You're. You're. There's a shell shock for some people. They're yeah. like, "This sucks. This is boring." Oh, they, they found a tin can and a balloon. It's like, well, it's a little more than that. But I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. So. With this project, we had a gift that we don't have with Hellier, which is we had uh, we had a natural conclusion to this story. And when we were, went into it, we said, well, let's do this and try and get this as close to like a 90-minute film as we can, which is like what a horror movie is. Let's try mm-hmm. and tell a, a scary story in the horror movie format. And I don't think this is a surprise to anyone who likes our content we make subversive stuff. That's really what we want to do. Like it's it's never going to be directly what you think it is. And this is no this is mm-hmm. no different. So when you watch The Unbinding, the the first half is very much a horror movie and the, there's a surprise in there uh which kind Couple. of there's a few mm-hmm. which <laughs> changes the way that you see the story. Totally. And it was very intentional the way that we went about that because our goal is always uh, to 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 reach people outside of the paranormal world, I want to make mainstream content for people who maybe who aren't like ghost hunting on the weekends and things like that, who just like maybe enjoy that type of stuff. So this one is probably m- more mainstream than anything we have done before. Yeah, it's uh, easily digestible and hopefully will act as a gateway drug for people who enjoy what they see so that maybe we'll give Hellier a chance if they were uh, nervous about the investment that it requires. Mm -hmm. For sure. I will say the reenactments in (laughs) The Unbinding were legitimately frightening. Were we okay in the reenactments? I'm so glad to hear that. That's what we're the most like. So we filmed the reenactments twice, three times, Three times, some of them. Yeah. And every time. So originally... Just right out of the gate, Greg and I are not good actors. No. We're terrible <laughs> actors because we're not actors and we're really bad at it. And I think, like, with every iteration of the reenactments, Carl would get closer to us and slow it down more. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, like, because I remember, like, seeing the first, oh, the we first like, couple nope, cuts of the reenactments. Nope, nope, nope. And nope. I went to Carl and I was like, we cannot put this out. No. Like, is there a way to burn do this it. like slow yes, motion? Burn it. No faces, close-ups yeah. on just hands, hands, just Can we out just of help focus. Them hands? And you know what? The old oh. joke is true. Everything looks better in slow motion. Yes. Get mm-hmm. get right in there. Yes. And then everything in slow motion. And uh, so that's thank you because we that's the one thing we're like the most 
insecure about. Well, yeah, we, no, we've I never so had to do uh, oh, recreation yeah. stuff before. Yeah, this so is the first. Not even in Hell's Year. Yeah. yeah. One time I got to be, when I was a, a young little actor in L.A., I got to be on an episode of I Survived That's on right. Animal Planet, and oh I got to God. be chased by an elephant. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. So I'm basically an expert. That Wonderful. is amazing. Well, then then thank we, you for the yes. Uh, compliment. Yes, that yeah. means something. From a true <laughs> expert. Yeah, from an expert. <laughs> Your slow motion hands were phenomenal. Like, Great. Really, oh, thank God. <laughs> So Woo. good. It was wonderfully <laughs> spooky. Great storytelling. And also, I felt like in this documentary, what was different about it was you guys, you sort of added a personal touch mm. into it that mm -hmm. we hadn't seen before. I mean, we get a lot of behind what feels like behind the scenes and hellier, you know, because sure. we are seeing those vulnerable moments of sometimes sitting with the silence for a long time. But I, we got a little more backstory, a little more of your story and... I just I wondered why it was important to put the personal touch on this documentary. Yeah. Why did you Well, I it? think the biggest the biggest reason is that this I mean, I'll be straight up, the the journey that we took on this case, where it ended up, I I'm not the same person and I don't think you are yeah. either. It changed us pretty fundamentally as people and as paranormal researchers and, and paranormal storytellers. The the place that this ended up made me not believe that ghosts are dead people anymore. It's it's mm -hmm. one of the things that really fundamentally changed how I see this stuff. And so I think people getting to see who we are and where we came from, um, that was important. And yeah. I think that in a lot of ways, this – here's the thing about Hellier. Hellier's a bit of a sausage fest. We Dana's, <laughs> Dana's very smart – and we don't listen to her enough. And I think that when a bunch of the boys are all together and we're we get excited, a cattle prod. we talk over <laughs> her quite a bit. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we've even seen comments about that. And it's true. It's something that we're we're will readily admit. This was an opportunity to to really let Dana shine and let her talk about things that she's really good at and and feature her and even her belief system in a way that uh, Hellier hasn't at least yet and also the way that a lot of uh, you know paranormal media doesn't highlight people like Dana sure so yeah. I think that was a part of the reason why it was important to show a little more of you know who who we are and more specifically who Dana is yeah I think yeah. I think it's such a the because so much of our experience with this object and just with this investigation in general was very vulnerable, I think that we wanted to be more vulnerable with it and and, and yeah. to kind of let people see us just a little bit closer and see who we are just a little bit closer and allow yeah. allow that to 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 settle in together sort of and and I think that was that was something that was really important was just showing that a little bit more because it really was like you said it was an investigation that I think really deeply did change the way that not only we interact with haunted objects or what we even think about haunted objects, but just the, the, uh, you know, it, it changed the way we, we even looked at our career prior to it. Sure. And, and a lot of the ways we, we, a lot of the beliefs that we held, a lot of the ways that we investigated and a lot of, uh, you know, those things, it, it challenged a lot of them and it, it reshaped a lot of them. So I think we felt um, that it was important we be a little bit more, more vulnerable in it and allow people to see a little bit closer. Um, yeah. Well, I, like I think that. that's what's the most exciting about 
studying this stuff and researching this stuff and experimenting with this stuff is how often your beliefs change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because or they should at ju- least. Yeah. yeah. Well, they should. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But I, I, you know, I've told this story before on the podcast, but like when my husband first moved in with me when we were dating, he had never had a paranormal experience and he literally said to me, am I going to start seeing a bunch of shit now? And I was like, that's not how it works. (laughs) Like, no, I feel like what you're born and you either can or you can't experience it. No. Mm -hmm. And within a few months he was like, well, I saw your fucking grandpa. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And it was like, oops, like I was wrong, I guess. Now I have to change what I believe about it completely. Of course. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's a, it's a constant like, well, this is what I thought, but then I had this experience Mm -hmm. and now, now, mm-hmm. I'm a different person. It's one of those things that ch- it constantly is changing you as a person and it's constantly challenging, I think. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time people get very rooted in, in belief systems, especially when we're talking about, you know, when people are bringing their religion into the, the way that they investigate or their whatever they're bringing personally into it. I think it can be a lot of people will get to a point where they're like, this is as far as I'm capable of. <laughs> extending my my you know curiosity so yeah it's it's funny i think that that always changing and always growing is part i think it's part of the process i mean i remember being a kid and and getting excited about an orb in one of my photos do you know what i mean like in the orb days and 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 now i'm like don't even show of course (laughs) but but what's (laughs) what's wild to me is there are still people who are excited about that yeah and and i think you have the world at your fingertips you have so many people you can listen to so many sources that you can research how do you still believe this and it gets so much weirder than that i know that's if if it's just a fear of letting go of a belief that's fine because you're probably going to find in about 10 steps something 10 times weirder than what you were kind of holding on to back then yeah and you'll have to reshape the paradigm of your mind to think about it in a different way so it's it's always challenging and it's always um it's always an adventure which is i feel like it should be i feel like i i think that a lot of paranormal experiences truthfully are there to change us as people they're there to challenge us to push us out of comfort zones and when you look at anyone who's had like a really prolific experience with the unexplained with something that they can't figure out it changes them Mm -hmm. sometimes it's for the worst if if they i mean it depends on how you decide to interpret it but most people who've had those incredible experiences are changed as people which is why i i sometimes get very frustrated when people have a scary experience and then that's it and they're done. Yeah. And they've they've deemed that that experience that they didn't understand was evil because they couldn't understand it. And they are stagnant forever. And they never change. And all I want to do is be like, it's trying to change you. Yeah. It's yeah. trying to, to turn <laughs> you into a better you. version of yourself. <laughs> yes. Go along with it. Follow the journey. Yeah. But not everyone, I get it, not everyone's uh, ready or well-equipped for that. Yeah, and that's why I said earlier about like paranormal shows where it's like, yeah, watch those first. Mm-hmm. Sure. Once you, the starter pack. If if you're if you're yeah, if you're okay with this, <laughs> then move on. Like mm-hmm. let's advance. Yes. Let's yeah. look at new stuff. Let's watch some yep. UFO documentaries while we're at it. Let's sure. watch yeah. some Bigfoot yes. documentaries <laughs> while we're at it. Let's uh, let's explore some new stuff. Yep. And actually this, the unbinding Speaking of synchronicities, and I will not spoil it, but I think <laughs> your biggest synchronicity yet. 
Uh, yeah. yeah You'll notice we specifically did not say the synchronicity we, word. We avoided no. the word. We said coincidence. I did about that. Yeah. <laughs> we I did it like, on purpose. You didn't know it once. We said it too much in Hellier, I we guess. We did. A lot of people made drinking uh, games well, that a lot are of killing games. people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol people poisoning die. from synchronicity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they're there. They we just didn't call them a synchronicity there. on That's purpose. Fair. That's fair. Yes. Well, there's and a yes, they're huge. One. They're huge. Big. And like that's part of the reason why you know one of the things that we we you know it's a, it's, it can be frustrating, uh, but also I think it's a good thing. We're very patient in how we make our stuff, yeah. and that's why it's yeah. nice that we're doing this stuff outside of the system because we can take as long mm-hmm. as we need to. Mm-hmm. It, yes. Had we not taken that long, that kind of weird meta moment at the end of the doc, where we thought we were done with the documentary. And much to mm-hmm. Carl's dismay, like there's a lot of iPhone footage because the cameras were already put away. <laughs> but it's so huge uh, and so, I mean, staggering. It's crazy. It shouldn't. I say it in the doc. It shouldn't be real. Shouldn't exist. Shouldn't be real. And yeah. yet it happened. And mm-hmm. um, the only reason we could get that is because we took our time. Yeah, yeah. that's important. Gosh, love well, it. Well, the unbinding ruled. Uh, so we watched good. it together last week, yes. and yes. we together from across the country. Had a lot country. to say, but we're not yeah. going to say it because it is. I don't want to spoil literally a uh-uh. single thing yeah. about this documentary. But we loved it so much, and honestly, awesome. I feel like it's changed both of us in ways too, and you know our thinking. So I, I hope so. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's what we hope people take away from it. We really hope that people are watching it, and you know, uh, even if there are people who. They see the provocative poster, yeah. the cover, and they they see that it kind of has an intentionally similar mm-hmm. title to The Conjuring. Okay. They will they will watch it tune in. and maybe will Trojan horse some empathy inside them. <laughs> 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 can only <laughs> Well, Greg, Dana, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Truly. kind of a dream. Oh, come, come on. Long overdue. Yeah. I'm sorry it took so long. Yes. We don't do a lot of this stuff uh, anymore. So it was an absolute treat to come and talk Thank to you, you guys. Thank you so much for, thanks having, for having us. us. And well, thanks for checking yeah. out The Unbinding. Yeah. Yes. Our yeah. pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Our listeners are going to be super psyched to hear this episode, and they are going to be very excited. Where can they watch The Unbinding? The Unbinding, uh, I think at the time that this episode is out, it'll be pretty much anywhere that you rent or purchase uh, films to stream. Um, yeah, you can find it just about anywhere. If you want to have direct links, go to planetweird.tv. Listeners, it's the freaking weekend. It's the <laughs> eve of spooky season, and what a better way to celebrate than cozying up with a hot cup of cocoa or maybe a hot toddy and putting on Greg and Dana's new documentary, The Unbinding. We're going to be blasting it out on our socials, but, yeah, you can find it. You said planetweird.tv. That's the best way to, to find it. It's incredible. Truly, truly a spooky experience. The vibes are immaculate. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and if you haven't already watched season one uh, uh, and two of Hellier, what are you doing? And definitely check out season one of Haunted Objects podcast. It's probably my favorite pod out there right now. The you can find that wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube if you enjoy watching pods like I do. Oh, and, and when you're done watching The Unbinding and all that stuff. 
We actually are going on tour this oh, fall. Yeah. We keep forgetting to talk about I that. I keep forgetting about that. Please yeah. talk about it. Please. We're we're going. We're doing like a cross country speaking yeah. tour, and you people get to haunt an object with us with on us. stage. What? All right. Okay. Uh Tickets are on sale for just about everywhere right now. Awesome. Well, Newkirk Newkirk. Tour.com. Got it. Hard for me. You have to that say it really just like that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had dinner. <laughs> We're hungry. It's been a long <laughs> Guys, what more can I say? You're too cool. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my God. Today. Anytime. Thank you, Thank you for anytime. having us. This was awesome. And to all of our weirdos out there, we will see you soon. Keep it, it weird. weird.